You're listening to the Business in Morocco podcast, the podcast that discusses all things business and all things Morocco. My name is Ryan Mimone, and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Kirk, and our goal is to share our knowledge and experiences in order to help you gain wisdom, skills, and habits that can help you succeed in business and in life. You can learn more about us by going to our website, moroccopodcast.com. All right, let's get started with today's episode. It's going to be a lovely day. You're listening to episode 20 of the Business in Morocco podcast. We're going to be talking today about teamwork and good habits and practices of team. But before we get started, Ryan, I wanted to mention your interview from last week with Dr. Ben McClouf. It was a great interview, and I think he shared a lot of wisdom. So if our listeners have not listened to episode 19, I'd push them back to that episode. I think there's a lot of good practical advice in it. Yeah, definitely. He's been a leader in the corporate world in Morocco and also very, very entrepreneurial. So there's a lot of lessons to be learned from his journey. He's got a lot of good things to share. Yeah, you packed a lot of good questions into just 30 minutes, and I think you could easily do another interview on a variety of other topics. So Mm -hmm. maybe in the next few months, we'll be able to sit down with him again. Yeah. Yeah, as he said for one of the questions, he said, well, I could speak all day about that. Right, right. What else you got going on this week? Uh, I just got back from uh, Essaouira. I was there not for the Ganawa Festival, which was happening at the time, but for some team building with a company based here in Kaza. So we did a little getaway um, and did some activities and had some, some training times. But we did also manage to take in one of the concerts. Uh, so that was great experience, although it was jam-packed. The city was full of people, but a lot of fun. Isn't that the city that's known for windsurfing? Yes. Yeah, kite surfing is huge there. I went for a short run on the beach, and after the first three Ks, I thought, wow, I'm cruising. My time is amazing. And then I turned around (laughs) and started going into the wind, and my time's plummeted. So, yeah, it's always windy there. Yeah, I think it's uh, known around the world for being one of the best places to do kite surfing and windsurfing yeah it's true what about you how are things going welcome back by the way it's good to to be sitting across the table from you see you face to face it's good to be back still settling in still getting used to life back here in morocco reconnecting with my clients here and trying to do some business development before the summer season hits Mm -hmm. i've got some new initiatives that i'm working on I'm looking to rent some office space. I've been going through that process over the last week because I'd like to have a contract signed before the end of the summer. I know that it can be difficult to find places, especially for reasonable prices. And I'm looking for a specific type of place in a specific area. And so that'll be one of my main focuses for the next few months. Hmm. That's exciting. We can track the progress and hear about the the victories and defeats that you face. Yeah, another thing, uh, you know, I'd like to 
keep this podcast transparent. And one of the things we've talked about, one of the, ba- the ways that you build trust uh, over time with an audience and, and you demonstrate uh, that you believe what you're saying and you're willing to tell the truth no matter how it makes you look is I actually lost a client while I was traveling to the States. Uh, a Moroccan client. I'm not sure if it was a hundred percent due to my travels in the United States and not being here, or it was because the work that I was doing for him was not meeting his expectations. I had mentioned this client before, the one that wasn't really following the process mm-hmm. that I told him he needed to follow in order to be successful. Yeah, I did some work for him. I got paid, but ultimately the the relationship has ended, and you know that happens. Yeah, it, it happens. You can't get discouraged. You can. You have to do your best. That's what I did. One of the things I did learn is that when you get a referral, this client was a referral from one of my other customers who I've been working with for for a long time and continues to be happy with the work that I'm doing. One of the things I realized is that when you get a referral, you need to be very careful with how you handle it because the work you do for the new client, it can impact the relationship with the old client who referred you to the new business. Mm. So as of right now, because it didn't work out with the referral, the potential is that he goes back to the, the person who recommended me and complains and gives a bad report. So I think going forward, I'm going to be a little bit more careful about clients that I accept through referrals. And if I have a feeling that they won't follow the process or I won't be able to help them in a way that they need, then I think I'm going to hesitate if not, uh, not take the business. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. When you receive a referral, there's a connection back to that original client. So there needs to be an extra buffer of confidence that you can meet meet the expectations or serve them in a powerful way because otherwise it could damage your relationship with the, the referrer. I hadn't really considered that, but yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. As opposed to someone who just finds you through your own marketing efforts you don't have as much to lose because they're not interconnected with the other parts of your business. Right. I think you can take more risks with new customers and new clients when you're the one that finds them and you do 100% of the business development. But when one of your existing clients refers new business to you, it's smart to be more careful. All right. Let's uh, get into the topic of the day, which is teamwork. Uh, We have talked about what it means to be a good employee, what it means to be a good leader. But today we're gonna talk specifically about what it means to be a good team member and what good teamwork looks like. Ryan, this is your profession. This is what you're skilled in doing and training. What are your thoughts on on teamwork? Yeah, I've, I've had the opportunity to connect with several different directors managers, heads of departments, and one of the things that comes up a lot is either taking no initiative 
So having employees that are on the team that are very, very bound by the exact details of their job description and they don't go anywhere outside of that. And not because they're afraid of stepping on people's toes, it's because they are just looking to do the, the bare minimum and they're just doing what they get paid to do and nothing more. And that's very, very difficult for directors because they don't want to micromanage employees. They want employees to take initiative and to have creative ideas and to see a need and to find solutions and to solve problems on their own. Another thing is just being focused on themselves as an individual rather than taking ownership of the team's results. So they don't necessarily have vested interest in the team's success. But all of us have experienced you know, group work in school or been part of project teams in our career where you recognize that even if you do solid work for your part, when the team fails, it reflects on you. And the, the manager doesn't say, well, this project was a total bust, but hey, at least you did a good job. You know, at least all the spreadsheets were in order, even though we lost the, the bid and, you know, it was a total waste of our time. Hey, at least you, you know, your part was good. It doesn't work like that. When you're part of a team, you've got to have ownership in the team's results. There needs to be a vested interest in that. And some people miss that and they're only focused on what they're supposed to do and making sure that their part is good and not worrying about what everyone else is doing. Yeah, if you're ever going to be in a position in a company that is not that is not like a robot in the sense that you're doing repetitive tasks all day long, you have a process, you have a set of rules and you follow those and basically you could be replaced by anyone who could follow those same set of rules. Those jobs are typically low wage jobs mm -hmm. and they don't require a lot of dynamic thinking, a lot of creativity. And they'll eventually be replaced. And you'll eventually be replaced by software or a literal robot. If you're going to move up in the ranks and you're going to be involved in the higher levels of companies, you're often going to be doing team-related activities. So becoming a good team member is essential to moving up in many organizations. The habit that you mentioned first, be proactive, goes back to episode 16 where we talked a lot about being proactive. So if our listeners want to learn more about being proactive, go back to episode 16 where we talk a lot about that. Your second point, having the, the goals of the team be your priority and really taking ownership of the outcomes of the team, it's essential for any well-functioning team. If every member on the team is only concerned about themselves, then that team is not going to function well. One of the essential aspects of a team is knowing yourself, your strengths and your weaknesses, and then knowing the strengths and the weaknesses of everyone else mm -hmm. so that everyone can harness what they do well to achieve uh, the outcomes of the team. And some of the, the general best practices of being on a team that, that any team member needs to employ is just simply being helpful, being encouraging, being positive. I think we've all been on teams where someone is just negative mm. all the time. Yeah. While there is a time and a place for constructive criticism and honesty, negativity is, 
is usually not helpful. Uh, the other aspects that, that are good for, for team members is being flexible, being a good listener, being honest. I've been on teams where one or two people, they wanted to do all the talking and they didn't want to listen to anyone else. And if you need the whole team to succeed, then everyone on the team needs to feel like they've been heard. Yeah. Anyone who's been on a team knows that your ideas are not always going to win the day. But when you feel like someone has heard your ideas and they've considered your ideas, you're much more likely to embrace the final decision, which is also what needs to happen on a good functioning team, a well-functioning team is that everyone gives their honest opinions, they present their ideas, and someone makes a decision, and then the whole team rallies behind that decision and takes ownership of that decision and does their best to have a good outcome. What you described there, we've all witnessed that, where when someone's idea isn't taken, there's a temptation to want to see the other idea fail and to even possibly undermine the success of that just so that you can can say well I, that's what I, I I saw this happening I thought this might go this way I knew this would happen I told you so but that really comes back to that that personal focus that individual attention rather than owning the success of the team so you put forward your thoughts you give your opinions but usually the manager the director is going to weigh those and then make a final decision and sometimes they'll be wrong but it doesn't help to put a spotlight on that or to even work against them or to to bad talk them to other team members yeah that's an example of short-term thinking mm -hmm. where you sabotage the work of the team because it's not your idea or you celebrate its failure if it wasn't your idea if you are engaged in long-term thinking, you will understand several things. One, you are not the source of all good ideas. Yeah. Two, if the team decides to do something that you don't agree with, if you want to have credibility and influence in the future, you will embrace that idea, you will do your best to make it succeed, and if it doesn't succeed, you will naturally have more credibility going in the future because you warned against it and because you accepted it. So a long-term view embraces the idea that I'm not always going to get my way on a team, but I will be a reliable and honest team member and I will be consistent in my advice and opinions and ideas that I give, but I'm not going to sabotage the team when I don't get my way. Today's episode is brought to you by CIST British Education. For 18 years, CIST has been delivering a British curriculum in Morocco and awarding bachelor's, master's, and MBA degrees from Cardiff Metropolitan University in the UK. CIST is a unique higher education institute which operates completely in English, with locations in Casablanca, Rabat, Tangier, and Marrakesh. CIS students are privileged to receive British education and degrees with worldwide recognition, in addition to accreditation through the Moroccan government. CIST has set a vision to recruit and train top students to be world-class business graduates. 
I've been teaching at CIST for three years now and highly recommend it. Check out CIST British Education at www.sist.ac.ma and choose the CIST experience. Now back to the show. It's very true. And I think even your language can can reveal where you stand on this. When you say, oh, Miriam decided, Miriam told us we should do this, rather than we decided. Even if ultimately it was Miriam's decision, if you feel, hey, I'm part of this team, I'm in her department, then we can own it. We can say, yep, we decided to go in this direction. It didn't end up working out. And now we're adjusting, we're, we're making changes, but you can tell by your language whether or not you're throwing the person under the bus, whether or not you've, you've joined forces, you've, you've aligned yourself with it, or you've been secretly undermining it. For those of us who are married, we understand this concept very well. Pick your battles. If there's an ongoing discussion on a team regarding which direction to go, which idea to select, which project to work on, don't fight every battle and every decision on a team. Save your passion for those things that are most important. Don't pick a fight over every little issue because then you'll just be known as the one who picks fights. You will have more influence and you will be more persuasive if you reserve your arguments and you reserve your passion for a select set of topics. Another thing that really contributes to successful teams is trust. And trust is really, it's built up over time and it's built up in, in all kinds of ways. It's just, the, I love the analogy of, of a bank account where you have a positive interaction with somebody and that makes a small deposit in your relationship. And that just signifies that the amount of trust has increased slightly. And over time, you have more and more and more of these positive interactions, and there's just a lot of trust, which can act as almost like a, a, a lubricant in the ability to work together. Whereas the opposite is also true. If there's a lack of trust, then it, it operates as a tax, and everything takes longer, you have more problems, it costs more, there needs to be much more discussion, false assumptions happen. And so the, the act of building up trust is really, really important. And sometimes people forget that it's these small things. It's, it's saying hello, it's, it's being pleasant, it's hearing how somebody's day was, it's helping somebody in just a small way. It's built up over time. And that's the reason why companies invest in team building, like I'm taking part in, where we're going away, we're getting outside the city as a team, and a lot of the stuff we're doing is fun. It's relaxing. But the team members are riding the, the, the bus together, they're eating meals together, we're doing fun activities like kayaking or hiking, and just interacting and hearing about each other's lives, and it's separate from work. But that increased trust on the weekend means we'll be more effective getting back to the office on Monday because we've increased the level of trust between us. Absolutely agree. Trust is essential to a high-functioning team. Team members need to be reliable. They need to complete tasks on time and according to specification. And here's a big one. They need to warn the other team members regarding delays. 
And if a delay is going to disrupt the project, you need to ask for help. I've seen situations in my work life where instead of asking for help, people were too embarrassed or they thought they could do it themselves and you get to the last minute and they haven't completed their part and nobody knows about it. Mm -hmm. And as a result, the, the entire project is delayed or the team as a whole fails. Yeah. And when you talk about building trust, I have a partnership here in Morocco and this was a small thing. He said he was going to do something on a Monday. And at the end of the Monday, I texted him and said, hey, what's the status? And he says, oh, I went and decided to do something else. And so in my mind, when he says something, it doesn't mean a lot. Mm -hmm. And I am not going to go and make promises to other people based on what he tells me now. It would have been better if he had just told me in the beginning of the day, hey, I've changed my plans for the day and that thing that I told you I was going to do, I am not going to do it and I'm going to do something else. Like, that's fine. It's not great, but it's better than no show, no call. Right. Surprise. Yes. I think one of the other things that we really need to talk about in terms of teamwork is, is understanding people's roles and understanding strengths and weaknesses. And I don't know if we've talked specifically about the, this in the past, but the, the Myers-Briggs type indicator, the 16 different types of personalities and people, I think that's essential for any team in terms of understanding who's on the team, what is their personality type, when do they thrive, and when do they have difficulty. Ryan, do you deal with uh, Myers-Briggs at all in your training? No, not not specifically. I ha I was part of a team years ago, and we did Myers Briggs, and it was extremely helpful. Uh, probably, especially because I was very young, and didn't realize how I didn't know myself really well, and realize how diverse we are as as humans, and so it really increased my self awareness and my understanding of others. Just this knowledge of recognizing, oh wow, the, the way that I do it isn't necessarily right and the way they're doing it is wrong. We just see it differently, we operate differently, and if we wanna work well together, we need to understand and adjust our behavior so that we can be effective as a team. And it was very, very, very insightful to, to go through it, so I definitely highly recommend that. Yeah, maybe we'll do a special episode on personality types and working with different personality types. Uh, I don't think we have enough time to get into the differences of Myers-Briggs, but the bottom line is that people are different, mm -hmm. and if you're going to be a successful team member, you need to understand how people work and the differences. Not everyone is exactly like you. Not everyone makes decisions the same way you do. Not everyone has the same priorities as you. And to the extent that you can appreciate differences of other people, you will be a good team member. Google did a study on the critical criteria for a successful team. And what they found was that it, it wasn't as important who was in the team or what skills they had. It was more about the culture of the team that was built. And they identified five criteria that were most important. And the most important one was what they called psychological safety, meaning that people on the team felt they had the freedom to ask questions, 
they had the freedom to be vulnerable when they didn't understand something or when they were struggling, ask for help, as you mentioned. And they had the freedom to try things and make mistakes. And so there's four other criteria that were listed. We've talked about some of them, like dependability that you just mentioned. But I'll put a, we'll put a link on our website, moroncopodcast.com, and you can access that. And Google provides a lot of different resources for managers as well, that they can do different surveys to see where their team stands on these five criteria. It's a really, really useful resource. Uh, that's a great uh, recommendation, Ryan. I think I've read that report in the past, and that actually aligns perfectly with the last thing that I was going to say, is that a good team, the culture of a good team, it needs to be an environment in which everyone can give and accept feedback constructively. Mm-hmm. And if people on the team do not believe that they can offer their ideas without being severely criticized, or it is not a, a safe place for discussing quote-unquote bad ideas, then your team will be limited by what is considered politically correct. You've been listening to the Business in Morocco podcast. My name is Ryan Kirk, here with my co-host Ryan Maimon. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Download our entire library of podcasts on our website, moroccopodcast.com, where you'll also find extra resources related to each episode in the show notes, including a transcript of the show. If you've got a question or topic you think we should cover on the podcast, fill out the form on moroccopodcast.com or email us at ryan at moroccopodcast.com and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Our theme music is Lovely Day by Bill Withers, used under Creative Commons, and we hope you'll have a lovely day doing business in Morocco. We'll see you next time. Day.